0: son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. Fill this place with your presence. And that as we move forward into this time of worship, God, that we lay everything at your feet that we draw near to you, God, that you speak to us, that we see your face today, God. Lord, we love you, and we pray for these things in your son's name. Amen. I trust you will have your Scripture open in front of you. My intention originally was to preach through verses 3 to 8. However, once we got into it, it became apparent to me uh, that verse 3 was sufficient. So uh, nonetheless, have the text in front of you, a text this morning. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Um, we've just started to work our way through the letter to the Colossians Um, just to remind you uh, we looked at the Colossian Christians and we saw that they were living in a world that was a collection of various ideas and religions and dynamics there was Rome, there was Greece, there were the mystery religions of Egypt, Uh, there were all kinds of things coming into their culture and surrounding them, and, and uh, one of the temptations they evidently were facing was that of, of just absorbing whatever their culture was saying as though it were true, and doing with Christianity what they were doing with everything else in their culture, just sort of uh, piecing it together in their heads. We use the word mishmash. Um, that's a nice on a poetic word, but it's just sort of a collection and just a running together and mixing together of all these various ideas. And Paul writes to them so that they could have clarity in their thought, so that they would be focused on what the gospel really is all about, that they would be focused on who Christ really is, and they would be focused on what it means to live as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so as we're reading our way through the letter to the Colossians, we're reading a letter that calls us to give up the sort of ill-defined, nebulous, fuzzy sort of thinking that our culture inspires and rather have a very focused understanding, a clarity of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And now in that setting then we come to Verse 3. And again, my intention was to read through the whole paragraph down through uh, verse 8. But it just occurs to me there's some things we need to stop and and look at here. Paul says, I'm thanking God whenever I pray for you. In giving to his readers a sense of clarity, one of the first things Paul does is he says, I'm praying for you. Now, prayer is the great privilege of the Christian believer. It is true that all people pray, all religions pray. The Muslim prays, the Hindu prays, the Buddhist prays, and he doesn't even believe in God. I I suggest to you that even if we were to gather a room full of atheists, eventually we would decide they must be praying by the number of times they use the name of God in vain, they must be praying. Remember some years ago, one of our uh, uh, youth uh, left left the church and, and joined the Marines and went to Paris Island and was undergoing a, a training down there. And he wrote back, he said, "Dear Pastor, everybody in my platoon is religious. I know they are because at night I can hear them praying. Oh God, get me out of this." You <laughs> know, there's something human about prayer. There's there's something in in us that just uh, wants to reach out and 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 speak with. God. Now, uh, when, when you talk to your friends and those even who are not believers in, in Christ, they'll tell you that they pray, don't they? I pray all the time, and then they'll give you this one. I don't think you have to close your eyes and fold your hands to pray. You feel like just hitting them with the love of God, you know? <laughs> of course you don't. I don't think you have to go to church to pray. Really? I never knew that. I can pray anywhere. I had no idea. Where did they get all that? Well, it's a part of the culture Just, just sort of floats around. You know, we, we just pray to God all the time. You know, I'm talking to God. I just talk to God all the time. Let me remind you that prayer is talking to God, but it is also listening to God. Prayer isn't a matter of us standing before God and saying, God, here's the list of things you need to do. Uh, here, here are the things that if you will perform, uh, then, I, uh, then I will uh, certify you as as, as doing the, the right thing, the God thing that you're supposed to do. Uh, Prayer is not our giving God instruction. Prayer is our laying our lives before God and setting our hearts before God, the desires of the heart, the wounds of the heart, all the things that we're going through, we set them before God, and we say, Lord, what is it that you would say to me in all this? And then it's being silent and listening to what God would say. In fact, I dare say prayer has more to, uh, to do with listening to God than it has to do with talking to God. That's one of the things we need clarity about when it comes to prayer. But just about everybody you know prays in some way and has some sort of, of, of murky, nebulous idea of what prayer is, and that's why I thought we need to spend just a few moments getting our thoughts clear, having some clarity about what it means to say, I'm praying And especially I'm praying for you. Paul says, I thank uh, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ whenever I pray for you. Prayer is a great privilege that we have. It's a great privilege that we have in times of temptation. You know, in those um, seasons of your life where, you know, I I really got to give this up, you know. This is killing me. It's absolutely destroying me. I've, I've just got to give it up. And so you walk away from it, and then you pull the, you feel the pull and the tug back to that temptation. Might be an addiction. Might just be a compulsive behavior. It might be just the way that every time um, you, you have a conversation, it seems like you lose it, and you, and you start to yell at people, or get angry with people, or short with people, or abusive with people verbally. You know, and, and there's that temptation to go back to that, and, and of course, the culture swirling around you says, well, you know, you need to give them a piece of your mind. You can't let them have the last word. You've, you've, you've got to get even, you know, all those kinds of things. You've pulled back. Prayer, what a precious privilege it is in prayer to go before the Father and say, Lord, you know the condition of my heart. You know that my my whole life, I've, I've been I've been attuned and trained to just fly off the handle and, 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 and return, uh, you know, with the, this kind of ill will towards people who treat me with ill will, and, and, and you know, Lord, how, how compulsive my life is, and you pray about that temptation, it is a great privilege to have prayer in times of temptation. It is a great privilege to have prayer in times of victory over temptation, because, you know, when you, when you have those moments, and they happen, you know, where you're about to say that and you say, no, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> that's when you have the great privilege of prayer, thank you, Lord, thank you, Father, Thank you that your Holy Spirit kept me from doing what I naturally would do and gave me a supernatural response that didn't arise from me but arose from the gift of your Holy Spirit. So prayer is a is a great privilege when we have victory over temptation. Let me say one other thing about that. Prayer is a great privilege when we have failed in temptation. It is a great privilege. Because you have that that temptation and you've struggled against it. You even take it to Lord in prayer. You think you're doing pretty well. And, you you know, I think I got the handle of it. And before you know it, something ambushes you because that's the way the the adversary works. Something ambushes you. And before you even have time to think, you get there and you pow, you're right back in it. The great privilege of the grace of God is that we can turn to him in prayer in those moments. Because when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come to him, even though we have failed in the moment of temptation and we've fallen short of where we know God wanted us to be, yet the privilege of prayer is that we still approach the throne of grace and we can yet um, have that relationship now. And then God working in our lives, saying, all right, you learned something from that, didn't you? Don't get ambushed next time. You know, those kinds of things. But prayer is a great privilege when we are in temptation, when we have victory over temptation, and when we have failed in temptation. Prayer is a great privilege. Prayer is a great privilege in times of fear. You know, fear is one of those things you can't really control. Uh, not really. Not um, it's not like you can give yourself a pep talk and not be afraid. Oh, well, up in Baltimore, some of you are aware of maybe the, uh, the University of Maryland Hospital there. Uh, one of the buildings has this big, tall atrium. Atrium. Uh, um, it's it's uh, the, the, um, uh, the rooms, the building uh, surrounding a big, open area that's closed at the top. Right. Atrium. Another SAT word. Okay. All right. But in, in that building, uh, they have balconies and, and, uh, uh, going all the way around this atrium, and it's about eight or nine stories tall. So you get up on the sixth, sixth floor, and you walk out on the balcony, and you're, you know, you're that high up over, over the uh, floor of the atrium down below you. Now, they don't have railings on these balconies. They have glass. I don't know who the genius was thought of that. They have glass across that. All right, I was there one time, and um, uh, there was actually a little waiting room there on on the balcony area, and and no railings, just glass. And I walked in the door, and I saw that. And I thought to myself, you know, they're not allowed to let me die. (laughs) Somewhere there's somebody with a needless government regulation that says they have to put glass there that will hold me if I fall against it. Okay, in my mind I know I'm okay, you know, and I'm having all these unchristian thoughts about the guy who put it there. <laughs> what would it take to just frost a little, you know, butterfly or something to give me a sense that something's there to hold me back? You know, so, you know, but I, I'm—I mean, I feel silly. I feel silly now, you know, and, and I'm just sort of walking around, you know, doing that kind of thing. Little kid comes up and he says, "Watch this, mom!" Splat. <laughs> All right. You can't control your fear. You know, fear is just something that, you know, biochemistry takes over and all that. But what a great privilege it is to go to the Lord in, in prayer. So Lord, I'm I'm a little fearful right now. I'm afraid about what's going to happen next. I'm I'm afraid of what's around the corner. I'm I'm afraid of the next meeting I have with my doctor. I'm I'm afraid of what's going to to happen to my family. And you know, those feelings of apprehension and fear, they they come to us, but in prayer we lay them at the feet of the Father. You know, and I'd like to tell you that I say, Lord, don't let me die, you know, and you know, just walk up to that. No, it's not going to happen with me. (laughs) But I don't have to be changed and paralyzed by it. That's the great privilege that is ours in, in times of prayer to go to the Father just say, Father, you know, I can't handle this. You can, just to give it to him. prayer is a great privilege that we have when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, By now, you know that that can also be translated when we walk through the valley of deep darkness, things like depression and grief and sorrow. Um, you know, in, in those moments, it's almost like death would be uh, sort of a welcome thing because at least there's an end to it, but, you know, just a valley that goes on and on and on, and all it ever is is darkness, and all it ever is is this weighted oppression of, of, of depression and, and, and the feeling of sorrow and sadness upon you. And in those moments when we're walking through the valley, what a great privilege of prayer it is that we fear no evil for his rod and his staff that comfort us. See? And so in those moments, we turn to God and we say, look, I, you know, this is a burden I can't quite carry, and we turn it to him in prayer. It's a great privilege to bring our sorrows and our sadnesses to the throne of God's grace. Prayer is a great privilege in times of sickness and illness. Um, you know, there's about a million and one different ways to get sick. The amazing thing isn't that some people are sick. The amazing thing is that any of us are healthy at all. I mean, when you think about it. But when that diagnosis comes, when that, um, you know, the, the, the doctor describes your condition, he says, now here's what's causing the pain. Here's what's causing the reaction. Here's what you've got. And that's all he can do is just describe what you got. He can't tell you what the answer and the cure is because there isn't one. Oh, the joy of prayer to go before the Father. Say, Lord, I know this isn't forever. I know that in heaven one day, you know, a new body, a resurrection body, new life, and life everlasting. So prayer is a great, great privilege in times of, of illness. Not not to run away from reality, but just to know that that the Father is watching over. So prayer is a great privilege. You know, throughout life, it's a, it's a great privilege in, in helping us get through and, and linking us up to the grace of God as we go through life. But the, the thing that I want to suggest to you from Colossians uh, this morning in, in chapter 3 is that prayer is also a great way to get clarity in your life. It is a great way to be clear and focused on what is going on. Uh, this, this is what Paul does. He says, you know, he's writing to the Colossian Christians. They're living in this culture where there's a bunch of different ideas floating around, and they're starting to mix and match and do this cafeteria thing with their, with their heads. And Paul writes to them. And the first thing he says is, I'm praying for you. I thank God when I pray for you. Now, he knows that there are some things they need to deal with. He knows they have faith, hope, and love. He knows they're connected to the word of truth. But he also knows that they are being attacked by vain philosophy, empty philosophy, vain philosophy, empty deceit. He knows that they are being tempted into a religiosity. Uh, that that thinks actions are somehow uh, acceptable to God, whereas a heart isn't. And he he knows that they're getting bogged down in the minutia of of observing dates and festivals and and, and they're arguing with each other about angels and things like this. Uh, He knows that all these things are there. But the first thing he says to him is, look, I'm focused in on who you are in Christ. I'm praying for you. I thank God for you i thank god the father of the lord jesus christ when i pray for you see prayer has a way of focusing things i mean if nothing else just putting things into words will help you focus you ever find that you got a problem a difficulty you're dealing with and you you sit down with a friend you say you know i'd like to talk about uh, to you about something and they say oh really you know what this is don't you And uh, you say, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I've got this problem that this is going on and that's going on. Yeah, really? Okay. And, and, uh, and, and not only that, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. But, you know, now that I think about it, maybe that wouldn't work. You know, I hadn't thought about it before, but maybe that. yeah, really? That's going on. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, so, and th- by the time you're through talking to them, they're not paying attention. They're just saying, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And you get up and you say, that really helped. Why? Just putting things into words focuses your attention. Focuses your understanding and gives you a little bit better perspective. How much more so with a father who cares and who loves us? Yeah. I've had folks come in and talk to me. And uh, uh, we'll sit down, and anybody who's done any kind of counseling knows this is true. Uh, they'll sit down, and they'll, they'll start talking, just laying out the, the, the problem that has brought them into the office. And as they're speaking, I will say things like, Uh-huh. How does that make you feel? Go with that. You know, you really are nuts. No, I didn't say that. Okay. You know, but all you say is, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. Well, tell me about it. Well, what's going on there? You know? How, how does that work? You know? And after a while, they say, oh, you know, I got an appointment. I got to get up and go. And they just leave it. And all they've done is talk, and you just sat there and listened. And I've had folks come back to me, and they'll say, you know, pastor, everything you said was right. <laughs> well, who do you think was talking? That's why we believe in the Holy Spirit. There's something about just coming before God in prayer and just talking about it. And, and putting it into words that, that gives it a clarity and a definition. And so it's a great privilege. It's a, it's a great way to, to focus our attention and focus uh, what's going on. If, if nothing else, just putting it into words will uh, do that. But then we understand that when we come to God in prayer, we're coming into the presence of the sovereign God of the universe. You ever think of that? I've got problems. My problems are big. You've got a little annoying problems. I have big problems. And I come before God, and I bring, I bring what's going on in my life, and it's overwhelming to me. It's like the biggest thing ever going on, and I'm bringing it to God who is holding the whole universe together. And while he's listening to me lay out my, my life and, and, and the, 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 the experience of my heart in front of him, at the very same time, God is still keeping the orbit of the planets and the course of the stars and, and holding the, the clusters of galaxies together by the power of his might. You know, he's he's enforcing the laws of nature and making sure the atom doesn't just explode in on itself or out of itself. I mean, this God is a majestic sovereign God of all the universe. And what a privilege in prayer to come and to bring that before him. And suddenly there's another perspective on things. You know, when, I, when I'm looking at my life, the, the, the natural thing is, the perspective is, here I am, here's the rest of the universe. And when I come to God in prayer, I realize there God is, and there he is, and that's all there is, and he's the only one that counts. And suddenly the priorities change, and the perspective changes, and the the values change, and everything, when it's brought before God, it just has a new definition in the light of who God is. So in prayer, there's a clarifying sort of um, thing that happens just in prayer, just in speaking to God, it clarifies our lives, and in bringing to God, it clarifies the priorities and the perspectives in our lives, and it brings us to a better understanding of what's going on. So that's, that's just sort of the, uh, the simplest uh, uh, things that happen in prayer. But now look back at Colossians 1.3. By the way, you could have memorized it by now. We, thank, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this isn't some generic God we're talking about. You know, it's not like we always thank God, insert favorite God here. Put in one of the gods of mythology here. Put in the God of Islam here. Put in one of the gods of the Hindu system of religion here. This is a very specific understanding. This is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come to him only through Christ, only through the blood of Jesus Christ only through his sacrifice of his life for us, taking the guilt and the penalty of our sins upon himself so that we might be forgiven, so that when we come into his presence, we are made clean and whole again. Um, if you're thinking about the book of Hebrews and our great high priest, go ahead and think that right now. Okay. So he says, you know, we, we, we're coming and we're praying to God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me try to explain how that, how that works out. Turn back to um, uh, the book of Luke. See, some of you closed your Bibles because you thought you weren't going to need them, but you do. Uh, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, the followers of Jesus grew up on prayer. Growing up in a Jewish community, they prayed morning, noon, and night. You know, they knew the mechanics of prayer. They weren't coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus teaches to pray. Do we kneel with the right knee or we deal with the left knee? Uh, when, when we, you know, pray, is it okay to have one eye open or both eyes open and all that? I, as a kid, I had these theological questions. If I open my eyes in prayer, who's going to see it? They're all supposed to have their eyes open. And if anybody sees me with my eyes open, they're as guilty as I am. They can't say anything. Yeah, I was a Pharisee. So... <laughs> But anyway, so they said, you know, Lord, teach us to pray. They were talking about the mechanics that praying. They said, teach us what prayer is. Teach us what goes on in prayer. Teach us to pray in a way that reflects who you are in this ministry, the kingdom that you have. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. First thing he said, Father. What a gift that is to be a child of God, Father. Our culture likes to say, well, you know, we're all God's children. Do you know why they say that? Because of the momentum of Christian history. That's why they say that. You don't find that in any other religion. You really don't. Okay. But anyway, so say, say, you know, come to him and say, Father, Hallowed be your name. Now, Hallowed is a a word that we only use in choir anthems. Uh, uh, But it means let it be holy father let your name be recognized as as supremely holy righteous glorious magnificent father let your name be exalted among the nations let your name be recognized as who you really are and that is the sovereign creator who has the rights and the power over all the universe father let your name be holy let everybody know that This is who you are. Now, Jesus is teaching them to pray. So so what's he saying? He said, when you pray, start like this. Father, it's all about you. Father, my whole life is all about you. Father, even this prayer is all about you. I'm going to talk about my needs. I'm going to tell you that I'm hungry. I'm going to tell you that I need forgiveness. I'm going to tell you that I need deliverance. But Father, it's all about you. So that when you feed me, you get the glory. When you forgive me, you get the glory. When you deliver me, you get the glory. See, that's a different way to pray. That's a different way to pray than our world knows about. It's a way of praying that says, God, it's all about you. It's all about your glory. And Father, I want my life to be lived for your glory. And in these things that I pour out to you, I pour them out so that I might be an instrument of your glory and your praise in the world. And so the very foundation of prayer, you know, when, when Paul says, uh, we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's not a throwaway line. That's not just something to fill up the space on the parchment. Yeah. That's Paul's conviction that real prayer is to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that clarifies things. That clarifies things when you start to pray that way. Father, it's all about you. Suddenly you're looking at your life and you're no longer looking at it in terms of what do I need to get what I want. You're looking at it in terms of what can God do to give him the praise. Those are two different ways to look at a problem. Two different ways to look at a need. Two different ways to look at your life. So even prayer has a clarifying, focusing sort of dynamic to it. And then the rest of the prayer, the rest of the Lord's prayers, you know, uh, just magnifies that, you know. know, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? So you can receive the glory. And give us this day our daily bread. Why? So you can get glory for it, Father. And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Why? So you can get the glory, Father. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Why? So that you can get the glory, Father. So, you know, prayer is all about the Father's glory, about his praise. Now, pour out your hearts to God. Pour out your hearts to God. You're not going to fool him. I come before God, and I've got this fear lurking in my heart, and I come before God, and I say, God, I have all the confidence in the world in you. Uh, I'm just here for your glory, Father, that's all. No, come before God and say, God, I'm scared to death. I have no idea what's happening. God, I can't see your hand at work in it, and I can't see a purpose in this. I have no idea what's going on here, Lord. Pray out of the honesty of your heart. A couple of reasons. One, you're not going to fool God anyway. What do you think you're going to hide from God? You might as well just just put it out there, Lord, here it is. Pray honestly. Pray with integrity. So you come before God and say, it's all about you, and and, and pour out your heart to him. It'll clarify things. It'll it'll focus things uh, and put them into perspective. Now, I'd like to close. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 very quickly. Romans chapter 8, we'll look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You never cross stitched that and put it on your wall did you we we have no idea how to pray I have no idea what to pray for I say Lord here's what you should do I have no idea how this relates to people on the other side of the planet how it's going to relate to people a hundred years from now if Jesus tarries I, I can't tell God what's right for him to do because my vision is too narrow and my understanding is too shallow. Look, folks, we really don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. That's what the Scripture says. You don't have any idea what to pray for. Pray in the honesty and the integrity of your heart. But even that is just so, uh, you know, confused and limited by by who we are as, as finite human beings. Let's read on. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Oh, the grace of God. I don't know what to pray for. God does. You know, and I I just have this picture in mind. I, I wouldn't pray unless I believed this. I lift up to God the prayer, and I I pray as honestly as I can, and I I just try to put myself before him, and even even then I know that what I'm saying is just, just not worthy of coming before him. The Holy Spirit takes my words and takes them over here and starts translating them into a prayer acceptable to the Father so that by the time my prayer gets to the Father, it is what it ought to be. The Holy Spirit of God interceding for us, that means praying for us, before the Father's throne. That's what prayer is about. Now, that'll give you focus. That'll clarify things in your life. And as we pray, you know, the Holy Spirit, and praying for us deeply with groanings that go beyond the mere words that we can fathom. Uh, Look at at one other verse. It's verse 34, Romans 8, 34. 8, 34. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit interceding for us. Christ, the Son of God, interceding for us. The fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working for us so that all things to get work together for good because we love him and we're called according to his purpose that's where the prayer comes in fullness of god interceding um for us so what i would say is uh, you know as we're looking at 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 colossians paul starts out he says you know we we thank god for you you know and and, and time escapes us if we had the time, I would, I would talk about how just being thankful will change your heart. And just being thankful for the people God has put in your life and thankful for the things that have come your way. You don't see it now, but someday you will. You'll see it's all for the glory of the Father. But he says, I thank God for you. I thank the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I pray for you, And that prayer for for his fellow believers, there's a unifying thing that happens. There's a clarifying thing that happens. Now they know where Paul is coming from. He's coming from a position of the grace of God. So we're looking for clarity. We're looking for understanding. We're we're, we're looking to, to keep the things of the world from just sort of polluting our minds and polluting our understanding and polluting our actions and polluting our hearts, just polluting who we are. We're looking to have clarity by focused on on Christ. And, And the first thing we run into is prayer. The first thing we run into is the great privilege of coming before the throne of God's grace and there for the sake of his glory, yielding our lives, everything about us, to who God is in Christ Jesus. This morning, my desire is that you would love prayer just a little bit more. And you would not see it as a negotiation where you've got to talk God into anything at all, that you would see prayer as a time when you just surrender yourself wholly and completely to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a believer in Jesus Christ, that's your privilege. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, You know, does God hear my prayers? Sure, he hears your prayers. Here's your cursing and swearing. Here's your lying. Here's you even when you sing in the shower. But when you come before the throne of God's grace in the name of the Son, the Holy Spirit making intercession for you, that's when prayer really happens. So so this morning, I I just invite you you to give your heart to Christ. As God moves your heart and leads you to, to, to love Jesus, just give your heart to Christ. Come before the Father in thanksgiving and praise. It'll give you clarity. It'll focus your life on the things that matter, the glory of God. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how grateful we are that you listen and act on our behalf. How thankful we are that even before we give utterance to the heart, you are already at work, and that in prayer we do not inform you, but in prayer and by prayer you reform us. So, Father, I would ask that in these next few moments your Holy Spirit would have complete control over us, drawing us ever closer to you, that you would receive praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.